0: If you could write one story, what would it be? I want to write a story about the word happiness and what happens if you zoom in on it, you'll find that I am always in the middle of it. I want to write a story about you. So I learned that first, I have to write a story about me. So when I open the window of my soul, there's a mirror where you'll see yourself. I want to write about what an early bird does daily before catching that worm and how it sings. It sings songs to the God that created the sun, the beacon of warmth, its wings, flap louder than a beacon, its tweets always follow sunrise. I want to write a story, but I'm not concerned about writing ones that'll make you cry. I'd rather write stories that'll make you die to yourself. I want to write a story about worship, and ask, God, is it worth my lip service if I I surrender almost everything? See, I like singing it, but being it, you can sign me up to sign a story. Braille my words so the blind can feel my story. I want to write a story. I want to type a story. I want to write a story about what type of story I am in original because I've been made new. Times Roman. What does the font say about you? And I pray. I can stay bold now. I want to write about how I'm God's pen. He pushes his words through me. And since I speak, I can breathe his story. Since I breathe, I can be his story. This planet is my page. My feet are God's pen. Man, place me wherever. So as I pace, my stride will glide across this globe. I know as long as I'm held in God's poem, he wants to write a story through me. So I just, I just want to write So at the end of my life, what's left is a story for the world to read. So I need to keep writing these stories. I need to keep breathing these stories. I need to keep being my story. Church, understand you're writing a story and yours, yes, yours could be the one that someone in this world needs to read.
1: What a powerful way to to set up our Go Be Love emphasis over the past few weeks. That's Chris Britton. He's with Youth Hope, one of our missional partners here at Heritage. And we're excited about what he's doing with young people through his program called Mad Skills Poetry. Um, God is doing amazing things in the Quad Cities through our partnerships, and we're celebrating that through our global outreach emphasis over the last few weeks. If you're joining us online, I want to welcome you, our Bettendorf family, and here at Rock Island. Um, We are just, we're excited, but we're also, I think, kind of in awe of what God has been doing you know, times of worship, before we gather and dig into God's Word, are designed to fill us up and to orient us rightly before God. And so that song that we sang right as we were as we were heading into the sermon, Since Your Love Got a Hold of Me, if you're joining us online, you didn't get to experience that, I encourage you to Google that song and watch it on YouTube. The words, since your love got a hold of me, I'm a new creation, I'm forever changed, you're my life, you're my everything, that is really what we're settling into and talking about in our time together today. Last week, we looked at the reality that how we live confirms who we love. That's your first fill-in if you're following along in your sermon note guide, and I certainly encourage you to do that. We show who and what we love by how we use our time, who we choose to be in relationship with, what we spend our money on, what we make time for, our schedules, our priorities. These things all give us clues, not only to who we love, but what we love. And the clues aren't just for us. They're for the people around us. We walk through Matthew 25 and the parable of the final judgment. And learned how when we serve the least of these, it is as though we are serving Jesus himself. And we therefore demonstrate our love for God by who we serve. This week, we're going to shift gears a little bit. And we're going to look at a letter in the New Testament and consider how our lives have the opportunity to point t- people to Jesus in our 24-7-365. And so I invite you to turn with me to the book of 2nd Corinthians. 1st Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, we're gonna be in 2 Corinthians chapter three. And I wanna give you a little bit of background about this letter. It's the second of two letters written to the church at Corinth. Paul is writing these letters and he's writing it for a really specific reason. The church at Corinth was started and really from the very beginning, it was composed of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. The Jewish people had kind of scattered around. And so there was a pretty sizable population of Jewish Jewish people in Corinth. And they became Christ followers. And they became part of the church. And then the people of Corinth, who were Gentiles, started to become Christ followers. And they became part of the church. And there was a great clash happening in the church at Corinth. Because the Jewish Christians brought into the church all of their rules. And all of their regulations about what it looked like to be in relationship with God. And the Gentile Christians came in and they were just all about the relationship. All about Jesus came and so now we're included in, in the church. And we can have the opportunity to be in relationship with God. And the Jewish Christians were saying yes, but it's Jesus plus. And so there's a great division. As well as the church in Corinth. Corinth was an was evil city. There was a lot of, of really um, idolatrous practices going on. Um, the goddess Venus was very prevalent, and the worship of her and all that went along with that really shaped a lot of what was happening in Corinth. Henrietta Mears said this about the church in Corinth. She said it was all right for the church to be in Corinth, but it was fatal when Corinth got into the church. And I wonder if we could look at the church today in America and we might need to say the same thing, that it is all right and it is good for the church to be in America, but it can be fatal to the church when too much of America gets into the church because the church is about the kingdom of God first and foremost. So Paul writes the first letter, he's dealing with tough stuff. He's dealing with like grace and mercy and love and our relationships. And he and the the letters well received. And so he writes a follow up letter. But one of the things he's specifically addressing in this follow up letter is the reality that some teachers of the law heard about what was happening in Corinth. And they said, OK, we're going to come in and we're going to we're going to write this ship and we're going to make sure the church is following the law as well as having relationship with Jesus. And so these teachers, as was the custom of the day, come with their letters of introduction. And these letters would say, I'm so-and-so, I'm from this area, I studied under this rabbi, and this rabbi studied under that rabbi. And it gave them credibility to to speak into what was happening. And so these these teachers come in after the first, first Corinthians has gone out and the church is interacting with it, and they basically say to Paul, Paul, we want to see your letters. We, we want to know what authority you have to speak to the church in Corinth. And so we're going to pick up Paul's response in chapter 2. Or in chapter 3 in verse 2. And so this is basically the gist of what Paul says. I don't need no stinking letters. I planted that church. I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he reminds the church about what letters, what letters in the church should look like. And this is what he says, 2 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 2. You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry. Your letters are written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves. But our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Paul is pointing out the reality that our relationship with God is not about rules. It's it's about relationship. It's about a love relationship. And then that our lives are meant to be read as letters that point people to Jesus. This is your second fill-in. Our lives are meant to be read as letters that point people to Jesus. Here's the reality of the world that we live in today, my friends. People who will never study God's word... They will never, if you quote them chapter and verse from the Bible, it means absolutely nothing to them. People who will never study God's word will study the people of God. And that is you and that is me. So what are people learning about God through us? What are people learning about God through our letters? Mother Teresa talked about our lives as letters and she said it this way, I'm a little pencil in the hand of a writing God sending a love letter to the world. This has been incredibly helpful imagery for me. It's something that I think about the minute my eyes open before my feet even hit the floor. I, I really calibrate to this reality that my life is a letter and I need to give him the pencil before I even get out of bed. Because the way that I'm wired, the minute my feet hit the floor, I will start writing in the pages of my letter and filling in all of those gaps. And if I don't, from the very beginning, give the spirit the pencil and say, spirit, write the letter that you want to write in my life today. And give me confidence to boldly share that letter my day's not going to be rightly oriented, and neither will yours. You know, I think sometimes more than, more than surrendering the pen of our life to the Spirit, we struggle with sharing our letters. And I think about some of, the, some of the reasons why I've struggled to share my letter, and I think it might be the same for you, and I want to talk about some of those. I think the first one that we struggle with is that we think our letters are not worth sharing. They're not worth someone else reading. And we struggle with shame and guilt and worthiness. And my friends, I want to tell you, that is not truth. If you've given the pen to the Holy Spirit to write a letter in your life, it's not about you. It's about Him. And it's about his work in us. And we're not perfect. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But praise Jesus. The blood of Jesus makes our letters worth reading. I think the second area that we can struggle is that we think our letters are private. And so if you've ever sat in the camp where you've said, you know, my relationship with God and what God's doing in me, that's just between me and him. I want to tell you that's not true. The letter that he's writing in your story is not for you. It's about what he wants to write in you and through you for other people. Because if we are still breathing air, God has work for us to do. And it's about seeing other people reconciled in right relationship with him. So our letters aren't private. Our letters were meant to be read. That's the purpose of a letter. It's to go out, to spread information, encouragement, connection. I know in our day and age, some of you probably never gotten a letter. It's all about social media. If you're under the age of 20, I'm sorry. Writing letters is a lost art. But back in the day, letters were how we were connected. It's how we, it's how we found out what was happening with people who didn't live in proximity to us. Our letters are not meant to be private. I think another area we can struggle with is pride. That we think we can write a better letter. And that's where we get in the, the pen tug of war sometimes. And, and we want to write a letter that's about us. And if you struggle with that, I think the area you've got to look at is surrendering the pen every single day, making sure that it's not you writing your letter. I think on the other side of that, the flip side of that is kind of fear. That sometimes we're afraid to surrender our pen and share our letter because we're afraid of what that might mean. That might be uncomfortable. That might be scary. We might have to venture out into a new area. We might have to talk to someone we're not used to, we're not used to talking to. We might be stretched in our relationships and in our time and in our resources. And so we get, we get scared about that and what that might mean. We can't be shy about our letters. I love Paul's assurance a little bit later on. He says our confidence must come from Christ and Christ alone. Our competence and confidence is in him. It's not in what we do. It's our identity in him that makes us competent to share our letters. Verses 7 to 11 are are kind of really back at talking about, you know, when Moses went up and, and he got the Ten Commandments, and that's kind of a shout-out, that tablets of stone. He was in the presence of God. And the glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God was present on Moses' face, and he had to have a veil covering him and interacting with the people. And Paul is reminding us that as, as powerful as that, as that obvious presence of the glory of God was on Moses' face... That we as Christ followers should have an ever greater presence of glory around us because we have the Holy Spirit at work within us. It's like when Jesus said, look, when the disciples were like, don't go, don't go. Jesus says, you know what? I've got to go so that the Holy Spirit can come so that even greater things will happen than happened when I was here. That's the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us, my friends. Second Corinthians three twelve says this: Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Our hope that is not about what's happening in this world. Our hope is not based in us. Our hope is not based in our government. Thank you, Jesus. Our hope is not based in the broken systems of the world that we live in. Our hope lies in something greater and that gives us a boldness to share our letters. It gives us a boldness to point people to Jesus. We've been talking about this second gap concept. And so as Sean has unpacked that for us, you know, I think, I think the reality is, is that we get this part and we go, yes, Jesus came so that I could have relationship with God. I get the Holy Spirit comes and, and, and so then I have a responsibility. And so we've talked about it, that it's obedient, Matthew 25, it's obedient to go from this gap into the, over the second gap to be in relationship with others so that they can have the opportunity to choose relationship with Jesus. But, but I want to invite us to take a different lens on it. So if we can agree that it's obedient, sometimes doing something that's right or obedient, it's not enough to like get us over the hump on it. And so what I want you to think about is I want you to think about your own relationship with Jesus and the love and the hope that you've experienced in your own life because of that relationship with Jesus. For some of you, you gotta harken back a long time, but, but I want you to think about that. Is the hope that you have and the love that you have, did Jesus' love come in and change everything for you? And if it did, how can you contain that? Doesn't that just want to bubble up out of you and spill out over into the relationships around you? And hopefully, this second gap is all about having relationships and being in proximity to people who need that hope. Who need that love. Who need to understand that there is is something they can ground themselves in that's bigger than themselves. That's bigger than the world that they see around them. The world is in desperate need of hope. People are despairing in different ways today than many of us have witnessed in the last several decades. Perhaps you even felt despair in your own soul as you've looked at the deep divisions we're experiencing in our country. Over systemic racism. Over politics, economics. The role of religion. How we treat each other. The world is crying out for hope. These divisions, we find them all here. And here's what I know to be true, friends. Christ followers bring hope. We bring bring peace that is totally different than what the world can offer. And if we're absent from those conversations, then it's not represented in those conversations. Hope is necessary for peace, for shalom to exist. This concept of shalom we've talked about before, and I just kind of want to go back to it. Shalom, and in it's in, in one sense, it's a greeting. It's a Hebrew greeting that's used when you enter a home, you wish the people peace upon entering and when you when you enter and then when you leave you give the same greeting. so it's both hello and goodbye blessing the space that you were in with peace and that's one sense of the word shalom but here's the fullness of what the word shalom brings in our world today shalom is that sense of human flourishing where people are experiencing peace inside of themselves they're experiencing peace in right relationship with god That as they experience those two elements of peace, they experience peace in their relationships. And then those relationships that are experiencing and being impacted by hope and peace trickle out into their community. And their community starts to experience restoration and hope and peace and right relationships. And then systems that were broken become healed. And we call this shalom. And shalom happens when the people of God who represent the kingdom of God go out into the second gap spaces bringing hope and peace and love and grace and mercy with our letters. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 tells us, Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So there's two concepts here I want us to think about. The first is that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Our lives as Christ followers should be marked by freedom, freedom to share our stories, freedom to live into our letters, freedom to go out into spaces where the church and where Christ followers might not normally be. I think an indicator for us of how much are we we bearing the image of Christ is, is how free are we. If you find yourself bound up in fear, anxiety, worry, if you're a slave to what other people think and performing for other people, if you struggle with an addiction, my friends, this is not the work of the Spirit. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom to share our letters within the context, especially of church family and feel accepted and loved, and encouraged, even if there's some yuck in our letter. May we be people who extend that kind of grace to each other. The second part of this passage talks about the reality that when we become Christ followers, we receive a deposit of the Holy Spirit in us. And as that continues to be worked out in our life, we increasingly bear the image of God. Second gap ministry requires that we bear his image and that we recognize his image in others. We get to be image bearers so that hopefully people don't even see us. All they see is Jesus in us. I think the second half of this is really challenging though. You see, We all bear the image of God. We reflect the Trinity. Male and female were created. Imago Dei, in the image of God. Father, Son, and Spirit existed in relationship, and out of their relationship, male and female were created. So this means we all have inherent value and dignity and worth, and we all have a need for community and relationship. All of humanity... Bears his image, even, even before humanity chooses relationship with God. Now, we bear it in increasing measure as we do choose relationship with God, and the work of the Spirit is in us. But here, here's the question for us. How readily are you able to recognize the imago Dei, the image of God in others? How readily do you see it? Even if they haven't chosen relationship with him, how readily can you see the image of God in others? And I, I think the reality is it's easier for us to see the image of God in people who are like us, in the people that we gather to worship with, in the people that we, that we live next door to, in the people that we have proximity to, But we as Christ followers, we have a different lens. As citizens of heaven, we're called to see the image of God in other people who are of a different race, ethnicity, creed, religion, gender, people on the other side of the political divide. The image of God, it's there if we'll see it. Not just see it, but can we call out that image of God in the people that we're interacting with? We've been doing that collectively as a Heritage Church family over the last year. So in just a few minutes, we're going to watch a video celebrating all of the awesome ways that God has been working in our collective letter, our collective story. There's a letter being written to the Quad Cities and beyond about what God is doing as we partner with others across the second gap. For many of you, as you watch this, this is going to represent a personal letter that God's been writing that's really different this last year. You've surrendered the pen in a new way, and God has stretched you, and you've stepped out into this second gap. Doing with and not for. I want to invite you in your sermon note guide, there's a little box. to to jot down partner names or ways that you can pray. And as we kind of celebrate some of the great things that are happening through our partners, I just encourage you to be listening to what the Spirit is, is telling you and prompting you if you want to get more information about how to be connected with one of our partners, um, there are Go Be Love display tables here at our Rock Island campus and at our Bettendorf campus. And I encourage you to, to find out more information. You can go to heritageqc.com, to our LiveScent page, and find out more, more about our partners as well. But for right now, I just want you to kind of sit back And and take in this awesome story that God's been writing through Heritage and through all of us in this last year.
2: Hey Heritage, this is your Live Sent team, and today we're going to take you on a trip to meet some of our international and local partners to celebrate what God is doing and continues to do through Heritage Church. So let's go together as we go be love. Heritage family just want to thank you so much for this all your years of support and prayers have um, you've done so much and in being involved with our youth centers through tutoring and mentoring and just loving our students and out at our camp uh, being out there to help cook and just preparing the camp and getting it all ready to go for our 300 plus kids um, here at youth hope we just love our partnership and all that we do together as we live love length and sense
1: In January, we established a partnership here with the Rock Island County Jail, in which they invited us to send teams in to serve their male and female inmates. Since then, we've had 13 first-time decisions for Jesus Christ, and we look forward to additional teams serving in the year ahead. about all of the amazing things that have happened at the Esperanza Center in the last year. Whether that's Vida Nueva moving its campus location down here for weekly services, or just this past July, the Esperanza Child Care Center opened its doors to fill the need for bilingual early childhood education. As we look ahead, we're really excited about the Esperanza Legal Assistance Center uh, becoming a place to serve the Hispanic community within the Quad Cities. And we just wanna thank you for your part in making the Esperanza Center really live into being a center for community collaboration. Beside me is the Women's Choice Center's new medical
2: mobile unit that your faithfulness to provide. And we are thrilled with the lives that have already
1: been saved uh, throughout the Quad Cities as this unit has functioned. And we are thrilled that once a month, this unit will be at the Esperanza Center serving the Floresante community. So when Justin Barnes came and knocked on our door here at Jefferson a year and a half ago, my principal and myself knew that the possibilities were gonna be incredible. Little did we know what this was actually gonna do for our school, our community, our staff members, and our students. What has happened since our connection with Heritage Church has been absolutely amazing. From the food pantry that happens um, twice a month to Quest for Christ, all the way to life treatments, treatments of bed bugs, providing a mattress for a little boy who had spider bites on his face every single night and hadn't gotten sleep in weeks. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much to every person at Heritage, all the awesome volunteers, and for the people behind the scenes, you guys are making this partnership really something great, and I can't wait to see what the future has in store.
2: I'd like to thank Heritage for their investment and their partnership with us at the Keewanee Correctional Facility. Their investment in our inmates by providing a relevant and meaningful worship service is truly going to help them find their true meaning in life and to live their life fully to what God has planned for them.
1: We've been traveling through the Quad Cities, introducing you to just a few of our partners and missional investments here locally. We didn't have time to stop by 180, pregnancy resources, or show you what is happening with the Esperanza bus stop and Floriciente soccer program. As we have been committed to loving and serving the Quad City area, God has been showing us our open doors to walk through and our international relationships. Let's first start in Sierra Leone with Reverend Usman Forna, the National Superintendent of the Wesleyan Church there. We are excited to work with the National Church in developing an income generation project to empower the National Church to meet the yearly need their pastors have for food during the dry season. We are blessed to be a part of what the National Church is doing there, and we pray that the church in Sierra Leone would continue to flourish and lead their pastors well. One of our new partners is Poetis International. We are excited to be partnering with a school in Livingston, Zambia, engaging with the Reach for Life program. We can't wait to send a team from Heritage to the Force 10 Summer Camp Experience in August of 2017. We invite you to join us in praying that God would greatly bless this new partnership. We have been partnered with the Westland Church in the Czech Republic for a few years and are really excited at the energy, passion, and vision that Jason and Karenza McFrederick are bringing to the mission there. Our hope is to support the new church planning initiative there as well as help develop godly national leadership within the church. God is blessing the work in Czech and we are excited to join him in that work.
2: Thanks for joining with us today as we've had a glimpse into what God is doing through our international and local partnerships. We're excited to see what's next as God continues to move through heritage and we go be love together.
1: great to have the opportunity to in person go around in the quad cities and interact with many of our partners firsthand as we captured these stories for you you know when we when we showed up at jefferson um it, it was honestly remarkable and a little bit overwhelming when students and teachers found out we were from heritage they they wanted to come over and say thank you and and to let us know what a difference we're making in that school but there's one particular interaction that really stands out that I want to share with you there's a little girl who came over kind of shyly at first when she found out we were from Heritage and um, she said told me her name and she said oh you're you're from Heritage oh you're that church that loves us and and when I asked her how she knew that she said oh that's easy You sent Miss, and I'll call her Jane, you sent Miss Jane to love me. And I said, well, how do you know she loves you? She said, that's easy. She tells me what is good about me. She reads to me. She gave me clothes that fit and were pretty. See, this little girl, just not two months before, was a real problem at the school. She was having all kinds of behavior issues and the principal and assistant principal were at their wits end about how to help her. They knew that her circumstances were were driving a lot of the behaviors, but they couldn't change her circumstances as much as they wanted to. And so they met with us and said, "Do do you think that you could see if there would be a volunteer, someone who would come in and who would just connect with her, and maybe that would be a stabilizing force for her. And I'll tell you, I saw the pictures and a little bit of a video from two months before, and I did not recognize the little girl that was talking to me. This, my friends, is the second gap. This precious woman from Heritage heard about this need and felt the Holy Spirit saying to her, that's your girl. That's your girl. Your job is to help her see and live into the image of God that is within her. So this woman is going in regularly and calling that out and awakening that in that little girl. And I believe that God has his hand on that little girl's life. It's a letter that is being written today for a future generation yet to come. This is the second gap, my friends. This is what we are invited into. This is what we get to be a part of. God is literally changing Jefferson's School just one life at a time. It is incredible what is happening there. We get to start the same journey in the new year with a school in Rock Island. And we get to start this same journey with the inmates at Kiwani Correctional Facility on January 23rd when we start to hold weekly services there. The second gap, my friends, we get to do this with an increased presence in the Rock Island County Jail with both our male inmates and our female inmates there in the new year when we're serving the legal assistance needs of our Hispanic community, we are inhabiting that second gap, that gap that exists right now in the Quad Cities between races and ethnicities and languages and status of your citizenship. The second gap. We get to do that with these high school students through our relationship with Poetis International. And there is more. There is more than we could ask or imagine because God is going ahead of us and he is flinging the doors wide open. Our only limitation is people willing to share their letters and help other people have new letters being written and resources. So what is our job? What is our response to that here at Heritage? So what? Here's the first thing that we all have to do. We all have to surrender the pen of our life and let the Holy Spirit write our letter. If you've never done that, today is your day, this is your moment to have a new letter be written. If you've never prayed that prayer of invitation for Jesus to come into your heart, and to start a new relationship with him and then to receive that deposit of the holy spirit there's a prayer in the back of your sermon note guide and i encourage you and invite you to pray that prayer and then let us know that you did that there are next steps kiosks at the back of our campuses or come down front and talk to a pastor who will be there we want to celebrate that with you and help you plug into your next steps maybe you've surrendered the pen At one point but you've taken it back and you've been writing your own letter this is your day to give the pen back and once you surrender that pen let the Holy Spirit write your letter give up control die to yourself put aside your agenda your plans your ambitions because I promise you the letter that the Holy Spirit will write while it may not be easier I promise you, it will be a better letter than you could write yourself. And here's the last thing. We've gotta share our letter. Our letters are not for us. They're not about us. They're about him. They're about pointing people to Jesus. And so the whole point of our lives and the whole point of our letters is to share that, to give that away. You know, I wonder, sometimes it's good for us to reflect on our letters. And I wonder if maybe you do that today. Is there a word that comes to your mind that would, that would help you understand what your letter is about? Maybe your letter is supposed to be about hope or love or grace or forgiveness. When I think about the letter in my own life, my life is about restoration it's about God creating beauty out of ashes and so whenever I'm in spaces where ashes are present and there isn't hope and someone says nope something better can't be built I've made a mess of it I know that's my moment that's my moment to share the letter that's not about me but that's about about God and the goodness and grace that he's displayed in my own life as he has restored that which was broken and made something beautiful out of something that was ugly. What's your letter about? Sean's going to come out and he's going to talk a little bit about our next steps as a church family in our Go Be Love journey over this coming year and, and specifically about faith promise and what that looks like.
2: Our ability to engage in all of our missional investments is a direct result of your faithfulness and willingness to give. The ability to share our letters we recognize can be expressed in three primary ways. We, we pray, we give, and we go. Those are the three primary ways we get to share our letter. But I want to take a moment and just talk about the give piece for a second because sometimes I think it gets a little confusing. We're talking about offering and faith promise. What does that all mean? Where does that all go? And the reality is, when we look at Scripture, it's very clear. God is very intentional in communicating that the resources we have, he asks for a first fruits offering back. So when we look at our personal income, what God asks of all who follow him is that we give him a first fruits offering back that we call the tithe. The tithe is literally the word for tenth, and it's 10% of all that we, have, what we receive in our personal income. That's basic obedience for those who follow Jesus, to give the tithe back. That's what he expects. It's an expression of worship, and it's the posture that I invite all of you to live in. Those resources allow the church to function on a daily basis. That's the tithe. It's basic obedience. There's also a concept of offerings, which is above and beyond the tithe. Additional resources above and beyond that 10%. But then there's this element, this thing called faith promise, which is even different still. See, faith promise is an unknown or yet-to-be-determined amount of money. And resources that God is going to provide for us to be conduits of directly. The source for which it comes from can vary. It's usually unexpected, it comes from different places. But faith promise is a commitment by faith, and it's resources or money that God will provide. It's actually one of the easiest things to engage in because it simply means that we talk with God, we engage in a conversation with Him, and He lays on our hearts. He says, this is what I'm going to provide. Over the next 12 months, I'm going to put it in your hands to be a conduit into the things that I'm asking the people of God to engage in. It's it's easy because it's just being obedient to what He gives and passing it along. Now, it may seem a little crazy. You're asking us, you're asking the church to identify a amount of resources we don't have or don't know where it's going to come from to be able to give. That's exactly right. It's a commitment by faith, and it's resources that God will give. Beth and I have engaged in faith promise for 15 years, and I am humbled and amazed every year how God responds. When he lays it on our hearts to declare a commitment amount, and through the course of the next 12 months, he shows up in unique ways and provides those resources so that we can be a conduit of engaging those go-be-love realities and bridging the second gap. Now I know many of you are familiar with the concept and maybe you've come already, you've prayed and you know what God's asking you to do in this and I want to encourage you to put it on the card and drop it in the offering buckets as they pass here in a few moments. But if you've not taken time to pray about this, you haven't talked to God about what he's identifying as the amount, please don't fill out the card today. But take the card and spend the next week in conversation with him to say, Lord, What are you going to provide so that I can then, in turn, provide it for the work you're calling us to? All of those missional investments you're seeing, the ones that we've been engaged in, the new ones ahead, are unprecedented levels of impact. But it comes through the resourcing of Faith Promise, because Faith Promise provides the resources for all of our missional partners. So my ask of you is to pray and talk to God, and then do what He says. The card is available so that you can communicate with us what he's saying so we know what we can commit to our partners over the next 12 months. But this is a 12-month commitment to say over the next 12 months, I believe God's going to provide this amount of resourcing for the work that he is calling us to as a people. He's done it every year, and I know he's going to do it again this year. Our goal for this year is $350,000. And I ask you to talk to him about your part in that journey so that more and more people can bridge that second gap and make their own decision to step into relationship with Him. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray and then we're going to have some more worship and time of reflection in that but also the ushers are going to come and receive our regular tithes and offerings as well as our faith promise commitment cards. And I want to encourage you to settle in and continue to have conversation with the Lord about what He's asking you to do in that space because it has a ripple well beyond. Today, a well beyond the next few days, it has ripple into generations to come as we share our letter by, by how we pray, how we give, and how we go. And before I pray, if I realize some of you have felt already stirred to be actively involved in the opportunities that we have. So if you, you feel like you have an interest in being involved in some of these new initiatives or even the existing ones, go ahead and mark that on this card or on your communication card, or you can even stop in the lobby at your respective campus at the LiveScent table and sign up to be engaged in going and investing in these Go Be Love opportunities that we have. So, I invite you just to join me in prayer as we step back into a time of worship, reflection, and continued expression of gratitude to God in our giving. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that in the midst of a world with great needs, many needs, you invite us to be ambassadors of your love, to be conduits of your resources. Lord you are Jehovah Jireh you are our provider and this faith promise concept is unique but God it is amazing how you respond and show yourself faithful as provider that all we do is we listen to what you're saying and we and we make that commitment and that you show up and you provide those resources for the work that you're calling us to for the things that you want to accomplish in this world so Lord as my brothers and sisters continue to reflect on what you're laying on their hearts May they hear. May we all hear what you're asking of us to commit towards faith promise. And beyond that, Lord, may we hear what you're asking us to do in being obedient and sharing our letters as we pray, as we give, and as we go. So as we continue to worship and reflect, may you continue to speak for your purpose and for your glory. I love you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.